0: Very rarely, like I told you last night, do you find a topic like this anywhere in the world. Most of the conferences are called, How to Get Rich. How you can prosper. How you can get wealth. How you can succeed in life. Yes, I mean? I spoke at a church in... um, In Congo, before I came here. So the first few sentences that I made about getting ready for the coming of the Lord, there was no amen from the crowd. Then I said another few sentences along that line, everybody was dead silent. Then I said, and you will succeed in your life. 400 amens boom through. So I wondered in my mind, the attitude of the Christians. So you you don't care about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. You don't care about the end time judgments. You don't care about what is going to come to pass in the last days. You don't care about all that. All you care is money. That's all you care. Money. Money and how to be successful in life and like i told you last night because our hearts are greedy you will get ministers who will cheat you along that line they will come to deceive you because that's what you like to hear false teachers false prophets will come to deceive the people because that's what is in their heart and you and the Bible itself says because we are no more given to sound doctrine so God will turn you over into a reprobate mind he himself gives up on you and he will give you teachers according to what you like to hear so what will be the end goal Down to the pit of hell. That is the end goal. Is that where you want to be? This is something you should decide. But anyway, since you all like success, I'm going to give you a tip for success. You ready? No. This is genuine tip. Guaranteed to succeed. You ready? You don't want to write down this golden tip. But before I give you the golden tip, I should also give out envelopes so that I can collect offerings. I give you two tips. Tip number one Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, meditate the word of God day and night, and you shall be successful in all things that you do. Amen? The scripture says clearly, you shall be successful in all things that you do. Not only spiritual things, but also in business, in your career, in your studies, anything, you will have success. Because you will not walk with the wisdom of the world, but with the wisdom of God. When you walk with the wisdom of God, you will have success in all areas of your life. Many Christians, not many, most Christians think that God only knows spiritual things. He doesn't know anything else. When God called me to do television ministry... I was a simple evangelist doing ministry in the Himalayas. Walking up the mountain, down the valleys, sleeping on the streets, sleeping in the caves, sleeping on the snow mountains. That was the kind of ministry I was doing for 20 years before the Lord called me to do this television ministry. And I knew nothing about television ministry. The only television ministry I know was to sit before a TV and watch it. And I'm sure by that definition, all of you do television ministry. Amen? So, when God called me to do this, I fasted for 40 days. How to do this work, Lord? And during the 40 days of fasting, the Lord taught me the technicalities of how to do a television ministry, how to set up a TV studio, how to buy the equipment, what kind of cameras, what kind of lighting. How to set up an entire studio, how to plan programs, how to manage an entire television network. We started with one channel, and today, in after eight years, we have 12 TV channels all over the world. And one channel for Africa. All over Africa, our channel is available. You can watch this channel uh, through satellite, direct through satellite, or through... Online, www.angeltv.org and you can select the channel Africa. And we have all Africa related programs that are in bilingual English and French since there are many French speaking nations in Africa. Now who taught me all that? It was God. I clearly remember one day we were shooting a drama the drama was part of the, uh, my message. So we were shooting s- little skits about the, second, uh, the signs of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So we hired a cameraman, a lighting crew, all kinds of people from the movie world industry to come and uh, shoot for us. So I'm supposed to be the director. So on the first day, Of the shoot so I came and stood in the in the area where they're going to shoot the film the drama so the cameraman is a very professional cameraman so he he came to me and said he introduced himself that he was the cameraman and they don't call them cameraman they call it director of photography big title (laughs) simply is cameraman but you should not say cameraman It is an insult to them. Someone who manages this camera can be called cameraman, but someone who manages the big camera, you call them DOP, Director of Photography or Director of Cinematography. You call them cameraman, they feel so insulted. They will throw the camera, they'll walk away. Anyway, so he came and introduced himself and the lighting were all ready. So he asked me, sir, everything's ready. Where do you want me to set the camera? So we were going to have three cameras. And I know nothing about what he was asking me. But I cannot show him that I know nothing. See, because I'm supposed to be the director, right? But I know I'm a big zero who knows nothing about direction or cinematography. So I told them, so you have to act smart don't you do that yes i mean so i acted smart by buying time so i called the actors i told them okay you practice first let's do a practice and while they were practicing i was fervently feverishly praying lord please teach me now what i should do next i do not know what to do next I do not know where the camera should be placed. These guys are asking me the question. As soon as I was about to say Amen, I saw three angels come and stand before me. And they said, we will now teach you and guide you how to do this work. So the angel to me asked them to place the camera one in this position, camera two in that position, camera three in this position, and this is how you will do it. I was amazed, just like how I worked together with angels in a spiritual environment. Here the angels come to teach me in a non-spiritual environment, like a cinematography. So that day I learned something. God knows direction. So God knows everything. When you meditate God's word day and night, Which means in the morning and in the night. Then you shall make your ways prosperous and have good success. You want financial prosperity? That is the key. Tip number two. You, You all are seriously writing, huh? You really want success in life. But you don't want to go to heaven. Okay tip number 2 Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness then all these things what things food to eat clothes to wear will be given to you which means financial needs for you to buy food for you to buy clothes for you to live alive, God will add to you. Your focus should not be on the daily necessities, your focus should be on seeking God, seeking his kingdom, doing the works of the kingdom of God. Then God will add all these things to you. The scripture says your father knows that you have need of all these things. So why do you worry? What you shall eat tomorrow. What you shall wear tomorrow. Don't worry. Your father will provide for all. All that for you. Amen. So I have given you two tips for success. So you practice this. The next time I come to Tema, I will see all of you driving Mercedes-Benz, driving Lexus, and you will, and this Tema would have become more prosperous than Accra. Is it possible? Absolutely possible, because your God will become the God of Tema. The Lord God will become the God of Tema, and Tema will be very rich, not only in Ghana but in all of Africa. Is it possible? Absolutely. Absolutely possible The people that make Their God, God That nation Will succeed That nation will not sink Under, it will ride over You will be the head And not the tail You shall land and you shall not Borrow, which means You will be very successful You will be very prosperous And what is the key? The Key are the two tips that I just gave you. Two tips. You practice the two tips, you will be very successful in life. Not only you will be successful, you will also be God-fearing. God-fearing. Without the fear of God, if you have success, you will fall. You will be full of pride. You will be walking with pride. You will be walking upside down. You'll not. Your feet won't stay on the ground. But if you have the fear of God then when God trusts you with riches that riches will not become idle in your heart. They will be under your feet. In 1985 I flew the first time on a business class on an airplane. You know in the airplane there are three classes. The economy, the business class and the first class. So all my life At that time, I was only flying economy. That's all I can afford. And I wasn't flying too frequently in the early days. So, I was going from India to Singapore, and the church who invited me, because they bought me a one-way ticket. In those early days, a one-way ticket is only on a business class, not on economy. Today, you can buy one-way ticket on economy. So, they sent me the ticket, and I didn't know it was a business class ticket, and this was the big jumbo seven four seven plane. It has a little hump on the on the top, like a camel's hump, and the business class seats are on the top, and all the other passengers they sit on the first level, the first class and then the economic class. So I checked in and I went into the plane and I said entered into the plane, there was a stewardess there I had to show my ticket to her She saw my ticket and she said, Sir, please go upstairs So I said, No I should go to the back She looked at my ticket again and said, Sir, you should go upstairs I said, No, you are wrong I should go at the back So this war went on within us For a few minutes And I was holding up all passengers behind I was saying at the back, she was saying go up. I said, no, I should be at the back. So finally she said, sir, go up and go back. (laughs) So I thought, all right, there is another way to go to the back by going up. See, I was so naive. So I went up the stairway, and there were only about 10 passenger seats. For the business class. And there was another stewardess standing there, and she took my ticket and she pointed me to the very first seat in the business class. And I was looking to go right at the back, there was no way to go to the back. So I thought, okay, this is where I'm supposed to sit. And when I sat on the business class seat, it was too big for my size, even now. And I was, I am telling you honestly, Before the presence of God I trembled when I sat on the chair I felt so unworthy When I looked at me During the first three years of my ministry I was not even wearing a sandal on my feet I was all over India, Nepal, Tibet Barefoot So here I was sitting barefoot Wearing a gown like this In a business class seat I personally looked down on myself As the most unworthy Unqualified person to sit here And I was trembling And uh, I was praying I said Lord Thank you for blessing me with this seat As I was praying I saw the Lord Jesus walk up the stairway Like how I had walked up Very real like how you see me standing before you He walked up the stairway Came and sat by my side And he said this word that I have never forgotten this past 38 years in my life. He said, I will bless my children with riches, but always keep them under your feet. If you keep them in your heart, you will get corrupted. As long as you keep them under your feet, you will never fall to pride. This was the lesson the Lord taught me early in my ministry. So that is why sometimes God takes you through poverty to teach you true values. True value of money. True value of riches. Once you learn the true value, then you will be trusted with true riches. Amen. So let not your heart Hunger and thirst after riches Let your heart hunger and thirst after righteousness Amen Then All these things that you need Will be given unto you Do you want to hear another success story? Alright Another tip I'm going to give you This one is a mistake I made in my life So So when I was starting out my ministry in the 80s, full-time ministry, the most popular doctrine at that time that came out from America, flooded Asia, was the doctrine of prosperity. I'm sure you do. You have this doctrine here, yes. and it has corrupted Africa, doesn't it? Yes. So that doctrine was just given birth at that time. So it flooded everywhere, and uh, so the principle to that doctrine is, whatever you want, you name it, you claim it, and then you confess it, period. So I got excited about reading that, I mean studying about that doctrine. So, and, uh, so I began to pray, Lord, I want a car, not a small car, Rolls Royce. Have you seen a Rolls Royce? The grandest car on planet earth So far So I began to pray, Lord I want a Rolls Royce Lord I want a Rolls Royce Then I also read another book By Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho He said when you pray You must be accurate You must tell God exactly The color, the model The type, everything You must visualize everything So that God can bring you The correct model If not he will be confused If you just simply pray car There are so many cars Which car to give you Right And there are so many colors Which color to give you Heaven will be confused So you must be very accurate in your prayer So when I read that I understood okay Now I know how to pray accurately so I, I looked at all the models of the Rolls Royce car And I found one particular model That I liked very much The silver Cloud, And a white color So I began to make my prayer very accurate now So that none of the angels can mistake Say Lord I want a Rolls Royce car White in color Silver clout model Every day I pray this prayer So one day I went to a mall as I was coming out of the mall and walking by the car park I saw the very car that I was praying for I said, oh my God This is my chance So I, I, I told the Lord Lord, look at the car That's the very car that I want I t- even told the angels Please take a good look That's the exact model, exact color And I went very close to the car looked around nobody was watching I lay my hands and I claimed this car <laughs> in Jesus name I claim it mine and I walked away so <laughs> i came back home after lunch during my afternoon prayer i knelt down to pray as i was praying The presence of the Lord came into my room And I heard the Lord Jesus ask me a question Son, what do you want? A car or a Rolls Royce? So I thought for a moment I said, Lord, I want a Rolls Royce So the the Lord asked this question again the second time Son, what do you want? A car or a Rolls Royce? So I thought for a while, why is it that God doesn't understand What is a car, what is a Rolls Royce Maybe because in heaven they only have chariots They don't have Rolls Royce I reasoned like this, so maybe that's why the Lord is having difficulty Trying to understand what is a car, what is a Rolls Royce So the second time I told the Lord Lord, I want a car, that must be a Rolls Royce So there was a two minute silent. Then the, the question was repeated the third time. Son, what do you want? A car or a Rolls Royce? See, by then I have learned in my ministry some little common sense that if the Lord asks a question two or three times, something is wrong. So when the Lord asked me this question three times, I knew something was wrong. So then I prostrated, I mean, I, I was kneeling down. I asked the Lord, is there a problem, Lord? And the Lord told me, to go, for, to go from point A to point B, you just need a car, you don't need a Rolls Royce. An ordinary car can go from point A to point B. A Rolls Royce, is one that will puff up your ego, puffs up your flesh, and you will show forth, show off your wealth, your status, and how great you are. So now you tell me, what do you want? A car or a Rolls Royce? I felt so deeply convicted by this I prostrated myself before the Lord and I repented for my stupid greed. Stupid greed. It was stupid. I was stupid. Didn't know what I was asking. So I repented and I confessed my sin to the Lord. I said, Lord, let's erase all that. Let me pray again, all over again. So, Lord, I need a car to travel from point A to point B. Even if it's a small car. For one person is fine But if you feel that A car is not necessary A bicycle is necessary I am fine with that <laughs> Then I went one step further But If you feel that You want me to walk from point A to point B I am also happy with that So when I prayed this prayer The Lord was so Pleased with my prayer He smiled, he blessed me and he left. And from that day till 2006, I was walking everywhere. No car. Walk everywhere. From India all the way up to Nepal, up to Tibet, walking everywhere. High mountain, low mountain, 12 days at a time, 20 days at a time. The most recent trip I did was last November, last October to Nepal. I had to trek up the mountain for 20 days To reach the Tibetan people Living in the mountains So the point is this The riches of this world are greed Greed What you really need is What is your need so like the question the Lord asked me A car, even a small car Can take you from point A to point B For that you don't need any fanciful car even a car without any name Can do that Even right now During these times Uber can do that Right You don't even need to buy a car anymore Just dial the number Go on your app you dial, And a chauffeur driven car comes to you So All these false doctrines Are from the pit of hell Amen I True riches comes from God. True riches. When you are faithful and true, and when God can trust you, then He will promote you. Then He will bless you. Amen? Amen. So those are all the appetizers for you today. Was it good appetizer? Amen. So this wonderful conference is called the Holiness And Purity Conference When I was praying for this conference The Lord gave me Three messages Part 1, Part 2 and Part 3 So yesterday I shared the first message Which was Part 1 And today is Part 2 and on Sunday Will be Part 3 So all these Are Messages That will prepare you To be holy In spirit, soul and body to prepare for the coming of the lord and for the end times yes amen end times so on the 28th of september at 10:20 in the morning when i was praying i heard the whisper of the holy spirit saying to me the lord will purify his people That is the message you need to preach in this conference The Lord will purify his people Please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Malachi Chapter 3 And the verses 2 and 3 Malachi chapter 3 The last book in the Old Testament Malachi chapter 3 and we will read verses 2 and 3 But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears For he is like a refiner's fire And like launderer's soap He will sit as a refiner And a purifier of silver He will purify the sons of Levi And purge them as gold and silver That they may offer to the Lord An offering in righteousness Amen This is what God is going to do in these days, in these last days in his church. He is going to purify the church. Why God is going to do that? Because we are not going to do that. Since we are not going to do that, or we are lagging behind. See, the coming of the Lord is hastening. The entire heaven is ready for the coming of the Lord. Sadly, the church is not ready. The very people for whom the Lord died and purchased them by his precious blood are not ready. The bride is not ready. I'm sure this church has conducted many weddings. Have you seen many weddings in this church? All right. The day before the wedding Or before a wedding is planned Months of preparation goes The, The venue The gown The this and that Everything, am I right? All those of you already married And on the day of the wedding The bride spends hours Doing all the makeup Am I right? Am I right? So I went to one wedding, one of my staff was getting married and I was speaking at the wedding. So when, the, when they told the bride is coming and uh, I saw a woman walking down the aisle and I turned to the pastor who was with me and I said, Pastor, they have changed the bride. This is not uh, my staff, I'm sure. And the pastor told me, it is. Your stuff," I said. "No, pastor. Look at her. She doesn't have two whitey face like this. She looks like a ghost. <laughs> but I didn't tell this to anybody. Only to the pastor. She looks like a ghost. And when she came closer, only then I recognized her. Oh my God! Because my stuff is pretty in the natural." without any makeup. So when she put on tons of layers of makeup, it made her look otherworldly. Anyway, so all this preparation goes, am I right? And then selecting of the gown. You will not want to rent, you will buy. Do Africans do that? Oh my, you too, huh? They do that in India, no? Just for that one moment event. You'll rather buy than rent. You too like that? Okay, anyway. So, and what if you put on weight? So, you want to make sure that you stay slim and nice, maintain your weight till the wedding day gets over. Am I right? Girls, alright. So, now I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever seen Any bride Walking down the aisle On her wedding day In her pyjamas Have you ever seen Any bride Her hair undone Just got up from a bed Have you No A bride always gets ready Then why is it That Christ's bride Is still In her pajamas Why is Christ's bride Hair is undone Why is Christ's bride Doesn't have makeup on her face Why is Christ's bride Not wearing the wedding gown Christ's bride I, I tell this honestly But in Truthfully with all sincerity, without meaning offense to anybody. Christ's bride is not even in her pajamas, she's in her nakedness. She's not even wearing her wedding gown, she's naked, ugly. This is how you look like in the spiritual realm. Do you know that? How much it will pain the heart of the Lord Jesus. How much. He has sent so many teachers to you. To teach you to prepare. Many true prophets to you. True teachers to you. To blow the trumpet, sound the trumpet about the soon coming of the Lord Jesus. What have you done? Why are you unprepared? That is why the scripture warns in Revelation chapter 16 verse 15 Behold I come like a thief in the night not necessarily 430 in the morning in the night when you least expect make sure you have your garment on lest you be found naked lest you found naked It pains my heart to stand here and say this to you looking at the spiritual condition. If my human heart can feel the pain, how much more the heart of the Lord Jesus. I did not die for you. The Lord Jesus died for you. How much he will feel the pain So therefore he has decided to do something He will purify his people He himself will do it because we are not doing it So here the scripture says For he is like a refiner's fire And like a launderer's soap And he will sit like a refiner of silver And he will purify the sons of Levi, and perch them as gold and silver. Let's look at the scriptures in depth. Who can endure the day of the Lord's coming? Now the word endure in Hebrew means who can bear, who can stand when he comes. Many people, I do not know about Africans yet. But many Americans they, they say like this: Oh, you know Jesus Christ is my buddy. Do you say like that? Oh, Jesus Christ is my friend. Do you say that? Oh, when I see Jesus, I'll put my arms around him and we will walk hand in hand because he's my buddy. But I tell you. Who can endure when he comes? Who can endure? Why? Because when he comes, the coming of God is fiery. Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 and 18. When God came down on Mount Sinai, the entire Mount quick trembled and it burned at the top. The whole Israel trembled with fear. They could not even endure The voice of God 3 million of them They began to run away From Mount Sinai And told the prophet Moses We don't want to hear God's voice We are scared You talk to him And you come and tell us What God talks Can you imagine How awesome the voice of God Must have been For them to run away That's how terrible, awesome God is. Secondly, when He comes, His glory is like a blinding light. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8, it blinds you. A good example is found in Acts chapter 9. On the road to Damascus, Saul saw Jesus Christ in light. And he fell down flat And that's not the full glory Of the Lord Jesus Just a little light If a little light can cause him to fall down How much more When he comes again in full glory It will be blinding Blinding Who can Endure That is why the prophet Malachi asked Who can endure Who can stand before The blinding light Thirdly Matthew chapter 25 Verse 31 says It will be so full of glory Glory Full of glory In Exodus chapter 40 We read After the setting up of the tabernacle The cloud of God's glory came down On the tabernacle of Moses And no one could enter in No one could enter in Full of glory The same truth we read in 2nd Chronicles chapter 5 When Solomon's temple Was dedicated The cloud of glory came and filled the temple And the priest could not Enter in Because it was full of glory Who can endure Number 4 His coming will be full of power Matthew chapter 24 verse 30 Mark chapter 13 verse 26 Full of power Who can endure In John chapter 18 When the Roman soldiers Came to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ All the disciples Ran away for fear for their lives The Lord Jesus stood by himself All alone And he asked the disciples I mean the Roman soldiers Who do you seek? And they said we seek Jesus And the Lord said I am The moment he said I am They went backwards and fell Just one word I am Caused them to fall backwards And the Lord Jesus was in his humanity Not in his power If people cannot stand before the humanity of the Lord Jesus How much more when he comes in full power How much more Who can endure Who can endure so now you tell me With all honesty If the Lord Jesus Christ Comes like this right now How many of you can endure? If you are honest You will say none Am I right? None Why? Because we are not ready. We are not ready. We have not become pure like silver, pure like gold. Therefore, the Lord will prepare us to meet Him. He will make His bride ready to be presented to Himself. He will make it ready. That is why He sent us the Holy Spirit, the sanctifier, the beautifier, he will prepare us. He will beautify us that we may behold Him in glory. So let's look at these two works Refiner's Fire, Fuller's Soap. Firstly, Refiner's Fire. What does the word Refiner's Fire mean? The word Refiner in the Hebrew is Sarap. And Sarap means to fuse. Two metals together Or to smelt Means dissolve them Or refine Burn them until they are refined Metals such as gold or silver So the refining process is like this Metals The process of refining metals Is referred to In the following scriptures, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 25, Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 29, and Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9. So in these three scriptures, you'll find the process of refining being mentioned. So, the refiner's fire is not new only in the book of Malachi. It is found in several books of the Old Testament. What is fire? Fire doesn't need much explanation Fire is fire Fire also includes the Hebrew word for lightning Lightning is also a form of fire So in the Old Testament Sacrifices were consumed by fire Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 That was the first time A sacrifice was offered by a man And fire consumed the sacrifice. And then we read in Leviticus chapter 6 verse 9, that when the tabernacle of Moses was set up, so let's, I want you to imagine like this. This entire stage is the tabernacle of Moses and this region is the outer court and where the pulpit is, is the holy place and this region, the most holy place. So in the outer court There are two furniture The altar of burnt sacrifice And then the labor of washing Now the altar of burnt sacrifice Is where all the sacrifices are offered and burned On the very first day That they were going to offer sacrifices The Bible tells us Fire came from heaven And lighted up That altar. Which tells us, you cannot repent on your own without the work of the Holy Spirit. Fire is refining. Only the Holy Spirit can refine us. All our self works are empty. So you need the Holy Spirit to refine you. When you repent of your sins, It is the Holy Spirit that comes and burns, burns you. Which is a foretaste of the coming of the Holy Spirit. That when He comes, He will burn the dross. Burn everything inside you so that you can be pure before God. So that is the purpose of the fire. And afterwards, the second time you read about the fire coming down from heaven Is in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 Verse 1 and 3 When King Solomon set up his temple Again, fire came from heaven To consume all the sacrifices So, again, so these two incidences prove to us one thing True repentance must be kindled By the Holy Spirit's fire True repentance And only the Holy Spirit can lead us Further into a sanctified life Secondly, fuller soap Or launderer's soap Which we read in verse 2 Now what is fuller? The word fuller in the Hebrew is kabak And kabak means to trample To wash by the stamping of the feet. In the olden days in India, that's how they wash clothes. They take all the dirty clothes to the riverside and there they wet them and apply some soap. Either they will just splash it on a rock or they will lay them on the ground and they just stamp on their feet. Have you done that in Africa? See, we are the same. So India and Africa, we are brothers. Yes, Amen. I yes, I mean. So, this fuller soul, is that, is that what it means? Washing by the tramping of the feet. Do you wash your clothes by hand or by washing machine? By hand. Once I asked my staff, I said, uh, how do you Spend your time at home, how much time you spend with your children. She said, uncle, I have seldom have time with my children. I say, why? Because when I go back home after the ministry works, I have to wash my clothes. I asked her, don't you have a washing machine? She said, yes. Then why are you not using it? It's not very clean. Yes, I mean? I said, what do you mean not very clean? She said, uncle, all the dirt on the collar, it will never go away on a washing machine. You need to wash by hand. Scrub it with a brush. Am I right, madam? Scrub it or do the old fashioned way. Stamping under the feet. And that's how the washing is. The Holy Spirit stamps you. Because we are stubborn. Oh, amen. We are stubborn. So He needs to stamp you. Come on, change, repent, change. Till all the dirt in you comes out Full of soap Now the word soap is very interesting Because in the Old Testament times They did not have a bar of soap Like how we understand a bar of soap The word soap in the Hebrew is borit And borit means a vegetable alkali It is an alkali substance that is made of vegetable and obtained from the ashes of certain plants which is found by the shores of the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. So they take this alkali and they apply it on the clothes to make them clean. They mingle it with oil, not soap. You read this in Job chapter 9 verse 30 The word bor B-O-R Which means clearness Is found in Job chapter 9 verse 30 And that word bor for cleanness is used for washing So it comes from this ashes of the plant Mixed with the oil And then applied on the clothes that is the soap they use in the olden days And it is also used for the smelting metals That oil is used to make them melt quicker And flow more readily and purely These are all the process of refining Now Turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 25. That scripture clearly defines the process of refining. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly perch away your dross and take away all your alloy. There are four things in this scripture. Number one, perch away. Number two, dross. Number three, take away. And number four, alloy. Now what are they? Perch away means to refine, to burn with fire. And dross is the refuse. is the refuse that comes out when you are burned. Take away means to turn off. So that you don't go back to your old ways. And alloy means the thing that remains after smeltering. So that is removed. To understand this, I must explain to you how silver and gold is refined. So silver is heated in fire. And as it melts, The dross rises up to the surface And then the silversmith skims the dross and throws it away And the silver is heated again At a higher temperature Which brings more dross to the surface The impurities again are skimmed and thrown away This process is repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated Until The silversmith can see his own face In the silver This is exactly what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says That the Holy Spirit will transform you From glory to glory Glory to glory Glory to glory Until The image of Jesus Christ is perfected in you When the Lord Jesus comes and stands before you, He can see His image. No more your image. His image. So the refining process goes on and on and on and on until all dross is removed. Secondly, gold. How is dross removed from gold? Pure gold is soft. And free from corrosion That's how pure gold is It is when gold is mixed with other metals Like copper, nickel or iron It becomes very hard The higher the percentage of foreign metals Makes the gold becomes very hard So how is gold taken back to its original pure form? And this is what they do. The first step, grind the gold. Grind it to powder. And they will mix it with a substance called flux. F-L-U-X. They mix it with that. Then the mixture is placed in a furnace and melted by intense heat. Not just heat. Intense heat. And when it melts, the alloys and the impurities are drawn to the flux and rises to the surface. Gold, which is heavier in density, remains at the bottom. And the goldsmith then skims off all the draws and removes away, and pure gold remains. So for silver, And gold to become pure It must be heated With intense heat So that it will become pure gold So if you put these definitions together This is how it can be simply explained The refiner's fire Was used to purify metals And refine it by melting it And allowing the dross which floats to the top to be scooped off. So how does, this is a natural process. How does it apply to us in the spiritual? This is how it is. This is the process by which God refines us by removing the refuse in us. By smelting Means Subject intensity, So that we become Pure and clean So how does God Send heat in your life By the trials Trials If you read 1st Peter chapter 1 It tells us Do not be Taken back by the various Trials that you go through Which are able to Make you strong Strong The various trials Sometimes You did nothing wrong And you are subject to trial A good example Is found in Genesis chapter 39 Joseph was a young boy Maybe about 17 years old very handsome looking young man His boss wife had an eye on him Because her husband was an old man Bald headed, belly smug, old man looking. And here is Joseph An employee in the government Very handsome looking young man So the boss wife decided to have an affair with him And she would every now and then give some gifts to him, buy him, give him flowers, give him gifts, give him everything, trying to entice him. And then finally she wanted to sleep with him and Joseph told her, how can I do this wrong against my master and against God? That's all he said. How can I do this wrong? You see, I have meditated that incident hundreds of times. And I have imagined this scene, how it looks like. In the privacy of their bedroom, there was no one else. The woman had sent away all the servants, gave them a, gave them a day off. And gave them some allowance, go to KFC, eat some jollof rice, buy all the... Stuff and eat and go to a movie, enjoy, and only come back two days later. No one was in the house, and she pretended to give Joseph extra work to do so that he will stay back. So, if Joseph had chosen to sleep with her, no one will know the secret. Am I right, everybody? The woman will not say, neither will Joseph say, because if Joseph said, I slept with her. He will be beheaded The woman cannot say Because she will be beheaded So it will be a secret between the two of them Am I right? But Joseph said How can I do this wickedness against God? No one watches But God is looking down Your wife may not see Your husband may not see Your pastor may not see Your parents may not see Your friends may not see The secret affair You will do in the secret No one sees But God sees God sees When King David committed adultery With Bathsheba No one saw God saw Am I right? When King David Plotted to kill Bathsheba's Husband No one saw God saw No one knew How he died Because David very cleverly Schemed in such a way He will die in battle Then he was given A hero's funeral He became a martyr And was given a Medal in posthumously And his name was Inscribed on the wall of honor Uriah, great war hero Nobody knew God saw And God sent Nathan the prophet To rebuke King David very strongly So God sees The angels see So let's have that fear In our heart don't think you are all alone in a secret place. You are not. In the year 1985, I was praying one night at about 12 midnight. As I was bowing down my head on the floor and just being still in God's presence, a few minutes later, I felt Coming out I came out And I walk a few steps I turn around I saw my body Still in the bowed praying position Only then I realized It was my spirit That came out of the body I looked at myself I look exactly like me Your spirit looks exactly like you Your outer is just an outer. The real you is inside who looks exactly like you. So if you're big, your spirit is big. If you're slim, your spirit is slim. Doesn't matter, you know. You still go to heaven. Whether big, small, fat or ugly, still there is plenty of room in heaven. Amen. Anyway, when I stood and I looked around at my surroundings and I when I understood that I'm now in the spirit, then I felt something on my shoulder. I, was, something was sticking on my shoulder, you know. And when I looked around, wings like an eagle stretch out. Six feet in length. On the right side and on the left side. And it looked exactly like the wings of an eagle. When I saw that. I understood the truth of Isaiah 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall lift up with wings like eagle. So that day I understood everything that you read in the Bible is not a parable. It is real. Real in the spiritual realm. So when the wings lifted up, it flapped and I flew out from the house. Across town and entered into a certain person's house. In a corner of the house, the room was dark. When I entered into the house, there was already an angel standing in the room. And there was a man sitting on a chair facing the wall and committing a sexual unclean act in the secret. And he thought nobody was watching him I was there An angel of God was there Two witnesses That day I knew one truth We are never alone You are never alone Can you believe this? If you find it difficult to believe Ezekiel chapter 9 Ezekiel chapter 11 The prophet Ezekiel was taken in the spirit And brought to the temple in Jerusalem And there he saw Behind the walls in the temple A group of men Bowing down before idols Where was this? In the temple in Jerusalem they were secretly worshipping idols and burning incense to the idols in the temple. Outside, nobody knew. But God took Ezekiel in the spirit to see the evil that, that have been done by the elders of the temple. This is what the scriptures mean In 2nd Chronicles Chapter 16 verse 9 The eyes of the Lord Runs to and fro throughout the earth Watching his people And in Zechariah chapter 1 You read "This prophet Zechariah saw four angels On four chariots And they went to the north To the south, to the east, to the west and Zechariah asked another angel, where are they going? And this angel told Zechariah, they have gone to see the men. They are patrolling officers going all throughout the earth looking at people. How do you live?" My dearly beloved brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, we must fear God. Fear God. When He comes again, you will have to stand before Him and give an account for whatever you have done in your life. The things that you think, the things that you spoke, And the things that you did, your works, and the things that you did in your body. What are the things that you've done in your body? Sexual uncleanness. When you have an unlawful relationship with another person, either you're not married or you're married and having an unlawful relationship, you are joining yourself to another person. Sexual uncleanness That is why The sexual sin is very very evil Because your soul is joined To another person Can you imagine if you sleep around With many people How many times your soul is joined To so many And you will be a distorted person Your soul will be distorted Your mind will be totally corrupted And distorted You think you will think nothing Except sexual uncleanness All your life Because that's how corrupted Your soul has become In John chapter 4 The Lord Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman And said You have lived with four men Slept with four men And by the way You know, the Lord Jesus told her, you have four husbands and the present one is the fifth husband. But she was never married. She was a prostitute. So I meditated that for a long, long time. Why would the Lord tell her that those men that she slept with or had relationship with or affair with were her husbands? Because when you commit the sexual act, Your soul gets united with another. The two are no more two. They now become one. Joined together. One. The original plan of God for a family. So that becomes your husband. This becomes your wife. So if you sleep with many partners, how many husbands, how many wives you have. From the spiritual point of view, that's how they see that's how heaven will record in the books. And if you commit abortion, how many babies you have killed, those are all recorded. One of my relatives, she got married very young. She was only 18 years old. Madly in love with this boy who is not even handsome. doesn't have a steady job, was a loafer. You know when you're madly in love, you are really mad. The mind doesn't work, the eyes doesn't work, the ears doesn't work, you, don't, you will not listen to sound advice anymore. Right? You're mad. That's why they call it madly in love. So against all family members' advice, this young girl married that mind. And he was young, jobless This girl was very young 18 years old, not ready for family life And she conceived And her husband told her We are not ready So about So this girl didn't know anything better About it Then a year or I think a few months later She conceived again And her husband told her I'm not ready About About a year later She began to have Recurring dreams When she's sleeping on the bed A baby About one foot tall Come and stands on her chest And looks at her And will begin to cry Mama, why did you kill me? Mama, why did you kill me? Why did you kill me, Mama? Why did you kill me? Every day she has this recurring dream. And she'll get up and she'll cry and cry and cry, crying over her sins of abortion. Every day she has this dream. She cannot sleep in the night. And once she gets up, she'll cry the whole day. Whole night she cries. Regretting again and again and again Can it come back? No it cannot come back The blood of the innocent Cries to God The dream only stopped After she totally confessed her sin And got safe Then it stopped But The record remains Right? The consequences of sin. And do you know what's the consequences of the sin? When she wanted a baby, she could not conceive for 10 years. They went to see all kinds of doctors, done any every kind of test, IVF, ABCD, all kinds. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. They spent so much of money on medical sign, Nothing worked because there is the consequence of sin. So they came to me for prayer. So I made them realize this. I made them truly confess all the sin. And then I prayed for them. Shortly after that, she conceived. And God blessed her with a beautiful baby boy. And seven years later, she conceived again. And God bless him with a beautiful baby girl. So, all those evils are before the records of God. So therefore, you need this refining process to purify you, to cleanse you so that you will become pure and clean in the eyes of God. And in Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, the first part says, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, that he will purify the sons of Levi and perch them as gold and silver. So here we find another word called purify, that God will purify you. The word, the word purify in Hebrew means To be ceremonially clean, purified or to pronounce clean. So that's what the word purify means. Which means God will announce or pronounce now you are clean. To give you one good example. Once in the Old Testament, there's this process where if a leper... When he gets healed He must go to be examined by the priest And the priest will examine him and pronounce him clean Then he is clean If not, he is not clean And you will recall When the Lord Jesus healed lepers He tells them go and show yourself to the priest They must pronounce you clean Then you can mingle again with society Now mark this word When the priest pronounces you clean, then you can mingle with society in the same manner. When God purifies you, you can mingle with the saints in heaven. You can mingle with the angels in heaven. You can mingle in all the realms in heaven. You can mingle with the Son of God. You can mingle with the Father. You can mingle with the Holy Spirit. Fellowshipping with the Triune God. So, how is this done? So, it it is a process, cleaning process. So, now let's ask a question What is the purpose of this refining, purging, purifying? What is the purpose? What is the end goal? Malachi chapter 3 Verse 3 and the second part Says That they may offer to the Lord an offering In righteousness That is the end goal Now when I first Read this scripture years ago It says That they may offer to the Lord An offering in righteousness Means like in the Old Testament You bring offerings to God And in the New Testament, you bring offering, not only monetary offerings, but also offering of thanksgiving to God, offering of praise, offering of the worship of sacrifices. So this qualifies you to offer unto the Lord sacrifices. But when I was doing a deep study to prepare for this message, I made an interesting discovery that the offering does not mean what I just told you earlier. The offering means, the word offer in the Hebrew is nagas, N A G A S. And nagas means to come near, to approach, to bring forth, which means you offering, you come near before God. All the process of cleansing, refining, purifying, Qualifies you to come before God Offer yourself You come before God You are now made acceptable You have been pronounced clean So now you can come boldly Before the throne of grace That is what? Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice Romans chapter 12 verse 1 And there is another purpose for this refining work. Matthew chapter 3 verse 12. It says here, His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Now, this is the end goal, another purpose of the refining work. What is the result? Now, the winnowing fan is a fox that farmers use to, when, they have, when they have harvested the wheat. They are all lying on the ground. They use this fox to throw it up in the air. Have you seen this? Do Ghanaian farmers do that? Yes or no? No. No. You use a modern harvester You drive through No No wheat in Ghana Say again pastor Okay okay Yes or no Yes It's like a fox Long fox And you, use, you put it into the hay You throw it into the air When you throw into the air The shaft flies away Blown by the wind, and the wheat will fall down to the ground. That is called the winnowing fox. So, this is what the Lord Jesus does He throws it up in the air. For what purpose? Two works a separation and a gathering. Separation. The wheat and the shaft are separated, the good and the bad are separated, the sheep and the goats are separated. The wise virgin and the foolish virgin are separated. Separation. And a gathering. The wheat is gathered into the barn. The sheep are gathered into the sheepfold. A gathering. And what do they do with the shaft? Burn with fire. Burn with unquenchable fire. And what is unquenchable fire? Hell. Hell So in conclusion The ultimate Purpose of Cleansing by fire Is found in Zechariah Chapter 13 Verse 9 I will Bring the one third Through the fire Will refine them as silver is refined And test them as gold is tested They will call on my name And I will answer them I will say this is my people And each one will say the Lord is my God This is the ultimate purpose of refining So that you will become a people of God And the Lord will become your God. So when you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit to cleanse you, to refine you, it's a daily process. What you did last night is the beginning. It's not the end. When you leave this conference and you go out into your everyday life, Pollution from the world Will come and stick on you again Am I right? You will mingle with the world You are not going to heaven right away You will mingle with the world Lust of the eyes Lust of the flesh Pride of life will come To test you, to try you Every day You must ask the Holy Spirit To refine you To burn you Before you go to bed Every night Ask the Holy Spirit to check your heart. Check your heart. If there be any sin, check your mind. If there be any evil thoughts that you have thought, check your eyes. If you have seen unclean things, check your ears. If you have heard any unclean things, ungratifying things, unedifying things, check your mouth. If you have spoken, Things that are not pure, good, praiseworthy. This is what I personally do every night, every day. Before going to bed and before I enter into the presence of God. I do this every day. And I'm giving you, sharing with you my principles. This is how we enter into the glory presence of God. Amen This evening As I was praying Before coming to this meeting Just before Our bishop came to pick me I began to sense The presence of God Flooding into my room So I knelt down To pray And as I was Staying in the presence of God I saw A man full of fire Walk into Near where I was At first I thought It was a seraphim Coming close to me But when This person came and sat on the chair Firstly I knew It was not a seraphim Because they won't sit Secondly I was able to see Closely and I saw it was The Lord Jesus Full of fire From the head to the thole, full of fire, as if he was made of fire, and I began to tremble. My heart shook, and my hands were beginning to tremble. And the Lord said, "I am the refiner's fire. I am the refiner's fire, and the purifier. I will purify my people like silver and gold." He said, "Go and tell my people." I will refine them and purify them like silver and gold. And the Lord also told me this one thing. He has a special plan for Ghana. Special plan for Ghana and there's something special, wonderful going to take place in Tema. Something wonderful. Something wonderful is going to take place in this city. That is why these three wonderful men of God, they come together, irrespective of their status, coming together as one body. Our Bishop Richard continuously said one word, tripartite. Three in one, or three together in one. When you are united together in one, God is going to do Great, mighty things in tema And this is the beginning Beginning You are going to see great, awesome things In your individual churches Individual ministries As well as When you come together, the three of you As a corporate Corporate body that will affect the whole of Dema. And for that, this is a seat that has been sown here tonight. So God is calling you, His people, to commit to a total surrender to holiness. Will you submit yourself to be refined By the Holy Spirit? Will you submit yourself to be washed by the Holy Spirit?